You're listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, episode 20. You're talking about putting your fuck parts in my head where my brain lives. You know, in nature, only a handful of creatures mate for life. But isn't that like cheating? We can't do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Why not? The safety word is banana. It is so refreshing to be with someone who likes to fuck outside the box. This is the Touch of Flavor podcast. Dating and relationship advice by kinksters for kinksters. Join us as we tackle BDSM, sex, non-monogamy, and how to build extraordinary relationships in an ordinary world. And now your hosts, Cassie and Rigel. Today, I'm going to be talking to licensed social worker and sex therapist Tamara Pincus. We're going to be talking about coming out as non-monogamous. We'll be discussing the changes in society's views on non-monogamy, some of our own coming out experiences, why you may or may not want to come out, some tips on how to come out, and we'll also be talking about tomorrow's new book called, it's called Polyamory. It's a book all about how to come out as non-monogamous to your friends, your family, and other areas of your life. Okay, today we're talking to Tamara Pincus. She's a licensed clinical social worker and a ASEC certified sex therapist who runs a private practice in Washington, D.C. She specializes in working with kinky, poly, and LGBTQ clients. Tamara has been active in the alternative sexuality communities since 1998. Tamara completed her bachelor's in psychology at Smith College and her master's in social work at Catholic Universities of America. She has spoken around the country on issues related to ethics and sex therapy, consent culture, polyamory, and BDSM. She recently published a book called It's Called Polyamory, coming out about your non-monogamous relationships with Rebecca Hiles. Anything you'd like to add? No, I think that pretty much covers it. Thanks for having me on. Oh, well, we're very happy to have you on. And, uh, you know, talking about your book is kind of the topic of the day. Um, But before we get into sort of talking about coming out as Polly, um, what is it that, you know, made you want to start writing this book? Um, Well, I mean, there were kind of two things. One, people in my family, particularly my husband, have been harassing me about writing a book since I started my private practice in 2011. Um, So I had to write a book about something. Um, And second, there really wasn't anything out there about um, coming out issues for poly people. I mean, people weren't even always conceptualizing it as coming out. Sometimes they're like looking at it as like just telling people something, which I think is kind of, I don't know, I feel like it is coming out. So that's why I started putting the book together and started and tracked down Becca because she wanted to write things and I wanted there to be a book, but I didn't necessarily want to do all the writing. So there you go. Awesome. And what's sort of the the goal of the book? What's it about? I mean, I think the goal of the book is to sort of help people who are poly, who are in the process of trying to figure out how to come out and where um, to really think through how to come out as safely as possible to, to make good decisions about where they should come out and where maybe they can't because of safety reasons. Okay. And so the book has a bunch of stories. That's one of the things that I really like about it. I actually have a copy of the book Mm -hmm. and we'll link to that in our show notes so that people can find the book if they decide they want to take a look at it. Um, But I really liked the fact that there was so many stories from so many different kinds of people and 
kind of seeing how polyamory and coming out and just open relationships in general are very different for each individual. That's what I really liked about it. Was there anything from the book that you learned from doing interviews with different people and getting all those different stories? Was there anything that you sort of had like an aha moment about that, uh, you know, came from doing all the interviews? Well, I think the real aha moment for me was realizing that a lot of what, a lot of where people have a lot of trouble hearing people come out as poly is really when there's been an infidelity issue that's come up in their life personally. So if you're coming out as poly to somebody whose, you know, parents had a relationship where there was infidelity, they're more likely to be triggered and to think you're doing something really wrong than somebody who hasn't had that experience. Um, so I think that was an important lesson for me and like the sort of way that this comes together for people. Very cool. So have you come out before? <laughs> All the time. Um, <laughs> both purposefully and, and less purposefully. I mean, I think a lot of how I ended up doing this work was that I accidentally outed myself to the president of the Greater Washington Society for Clinical Social Work um, at a mixer thing. And <laughs> that was got me sort of known as the therapist really very fast after I started my private practice, which wasn't necessarily how I was planning on marketing myself, but it actually worked really well. Um, but yeah, but I'm definitely out in most places in my life. You know, I'm out, I'm very out at work. I work for myself, which makes that easy to do. I'm out to my whole family. Um, my husband's out to his family. My partner of six years is also out to his family. So yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of where out, if there's anywhere I'm not out. We're out at school. I mean, we didn't really, I haven't really had a conversation with them about it, but we've showed up at events with, you know, like me and my husband and his girlfriend and like we haven't tried to hide anything. And I like how you said like you are still coming out and I think that that's something to keep in mind um, if you're in the LGBT community or if you're poly and you come out depending on how your situations change and the different areas that you are or where you're at in life, you will continue to have to come out because it's something that is not necessarily what people assume you are. Um, so you can have that experience over and over again, not necessarily even consciously. <laughs> well, and I think sometimes consciously. I mean, I was at a training this weekend on how to do clinical supervision for social work. And I ended up coming out there because, I mean, they were talking about, you know, issue, issues of cultural humility, which is their new buzzword for cultural competency. And, um, and I just, and people have this assumption when you're in the, these kind of environments that everybody is like married and has kids. And I mean, I think I started talking about the fact that my practice, one of our core populations is is polyamorous people, but then people asked me, why did I choose that? And I was like, well, it fit really well with my personal identity. So, so yeah, I've had to do that recently. And I mean, I guess I could have stayed in the closet all weekend and it wouldn't have been a problem, but I feel like coming out in that way is really important to me and also important for my business. Overall, how has your experience been coming out in different various places of your life? You said like the school, you didn't have any problem. What about family and uh, friends, things like that? Um, my family has been pretty open. Like they're a little bit confused and they don't quite know what to do. Like 
my brother is getting married this summer and um, my husband is invited, but not my boyfriend of six years, even though they know him. And that, that kind of stings a bit. Um, but I don't think that anybody's actively angry about it. My, my partner's mother is like, she was so upset by it that um, we were at an event that was like to celebrate him and she wouldn't talk to me. And so now there's this big rift in that family because she's so uncomfortable with him being polyamorous. So that kind of sucks. So it hasn't been easy for all of us all the time. And I do think that cultural factors make it easier for me. Um, You know, I come from, you know, a white Jewish background where people at least like to think of themselves as pretty liberal and open. And he comes from a more religious African-American background and that's harder for them. Yeah, that's, I think that that helps. And also just families in general can be very different. Um, Rigel and mine, you know, our our coming out stories are very, very different. Um, Me, my dad was kind of like, cool, whatever makes you happy, right? And um, my stepmom's kind of like, it's not something I would do, but cool, whatevs. Whereas his family um, it was almost like they felt they needed to do an intervention and sit down and have a talk with us. And his mother basically said that she would never recognize um, his other relationships that are not the marriage that he has. So it was a very different backgrounds that him and I come from, both as far as like his family's very religious. My dad is like a raging hippie guy who's an agnostic. So um, very, you know, it can vary for everybody. And I think that recognizing when you're talking about coming out, how it can be different for you versus your partner is important. And I think that that's why we included so many stories in the book, because I think, you know, generally when you read about polyamory, like all of the stories are the, you know, upper middle class white experience. And we wanted to try and get some more diverse stories in there. So talking about sort of family, society and everything, do you think society's view on non-monogamy has changed at all? I think it's moving a little bit, but I also feel like I'm not a good representative. I'm not a good person to ask that because I live in the bubble. I mean, I would say probably half of the new clients who walk into my office are, you know, in open relationships already or interested in open relationships. But I mean, that's clearly not the general experience. Yeah. And I think that's fair. I think we, you know, basically know what's going on around us. But from my experience dealing with, you know, my friends in the community, it seems as though things are moving in the right direction, but it's still not leaps and bounds as far as, you know, being accepted. It can really go one way or another. You know, you can find yourself in a situation losing your job, or you might find that your kid's school might be like, yay, they've got extra adults to help with the kids. So it really can be a very uh, different experience for each person. So when did you realize that you're poly? That's a really complex question. I mean, I think I realized that I could have crushes on multiple people and be interested in multiple people like in high school in, you know, the early 90s. And there wasn't, if the word polyamory had been invented, it had just been invented. <laughs> so so I didn't really think of that as an option. Um, I tried 
in college, I had a long-term boyfriend, but also I wanted to date women. And he was okay with me doing that under this theory that if I was going to be with him forever and I wanted to see what it was like to date women, I'd have to do that while also dating him. That didn't work that well. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, I went monogamous and I was monogamous for quite a few years. And then I guess it was about... About eight years ago, I went back into the kink scene, um, which got me really sort of reconnecting with other parts of my sexuality they had squashed down. And then it was about two years after that that I um, really said, I think polyamory is, is right for me. And just with your experience, has it seemed like there's a certain point when people realize they're poly or um, is there like a certain age, a certain time frame, or is it just different for everybody? I think it's different for everybody. I think a lot of people are coming to it in the last few years just because it's been more visible as a thing. Like, I don't think people even thought of it as a possibility five years ago. I think it was, you know, such a small sub-community and you had to sort of seek it out, whereas now it's kind of hitting the mainstream. So I find a lot of people are are thinking about that right now, but I don't think that that's, like, age-related. I think it's actually related to the cultural shift around it. I think that's a very interesting perspective. I think that might be accurate. I think there's a lot more people viewing it as a option, whereas before it was something that was completely off the table. So yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. Right. And I think, you know, and I also see people who are in this period of like, maybe I'm polyamorous because they're in it, they're in a relationship and they've realized they're interested in somebody else and they're actually trying to have the conversation about that instead of just having the affair, which it's great. We need more of that to happen. So why would someone want to come out as being non-monogamous? Well, I mean, I think you would want to come out to your partners about being non-monogamous so you can be ethical about your non-monogamy, for one, because um, otherwise you would be unethically non-monogamous, otherwise known as cheating. I think you would want to come out to other people in order to acknowledge important people in your life. Like I know for me, you know, my partner of six years is really important to me. And having to go to events and go to, I don't know, family functions or whatever, and pretend that I'm not in a relationship with him would feel really inauthentic and really disrespectful to him. So I feel like that's an important motivator for coming out. I also think that there's a political motivation. I think the more of us who are in a position to come out who do mean that others of us will have a chance of not losing our jobs if we come out and not losing our housing and not having CPS called. <laughs> I think all of those are, are very good reasons. And you're talking about that, acknowledging your partner. And one of the things that I say a lot when people ask me about coming out as, as poly or in any kind of non-monogamous relationship is I want to come out because I want my partner to feel validated and I think it goes to that whole idea of people don't really like to necessarily be the dirty little secret. Hurt. Um, they don't like to, yeah. Um, they don't like to be dismissed. Um, you know, I look at my partner, Amanda, who is very, very involved in my little man cub's life. And to have teachers or other parents see her as not a parent or not involved in our life as a partner I think that would very much be something that would hurt her. 
um, you know, relationships, parenting, all those things are a lot of work and to not have that recognition can really be painful. Right. I mean, and I think like for me, my partner isn't able to be out at work. So there's a lot of things that I can't, like, I can't go hear him talk, you know, if he's doing public speaking, or I guess if I could, if I did, I would have to pretend I don't know him, which I don't think I would be very good at. Like, like it's just, and it, it's painful. Yeah, I, I think that it's it's definitely a personal choice and a personal journey that each person has to kind of decide to do for themselves and where, because um, it's not necessarily just a coming out in one place. It's a coming out in various aspects of life, but it's a personal choice and is very different for each person. Right. I mean, and also like the, the risks are different. Like if I come out at work, I'm fine. If my partner comes out at work, like he could easily be fired. Yeah, there's definitely varying risk factors. So talking about those risk factors, if someone was to decide to come out, what are some general things to sort of, you know, consider uh, before coming out? What are like potential consequences? Well, I think it depends on who you're coming out to. Like, I mean, your parents can't do much except for try to write you out of the will or not speak to you. You can also, like, if you're coming out at work, there are some places where you could lose your employment. I mean, so I think those are some of the the concerns. And I think also, I mean, it just shifts your relationships with people in both good and bad ways. Like, I think if you are poly and you're not out to people who are your friends or family, in a way, they don't really know you. There are huge parts of you that they don't know. And I think even if you decide not to come out, over time, those relationships will become more and more distant. Yeah, I know for Amanda, with her parents, they do know that she's poly, but they're not necessarily fully comfortable with it. And she has to very often edit what she talks about when she's around them. And she often will be, you know, will say that there is large portions of her life that her parents just don't know anything about. Um, And that's really difficult for her because she feels like she can't share her experiences with the people that she loves. Absolutely. It's really hard. So when coming out, you know, thinking about your job, your potential relationships with people, what else do you want to consider before deciding to come out? If, if you know, there's anything else aside for just the consequences with your work or family, is there anything else that you might want to consider? Well, I think you want to think about how you want to come out. Like, I don't think you necessarily like just show up with your three partners at the, you know, the work Christmas party. I think you you want to think about doing it in a way that protects you as much as possible. So if you think somebody's going to freak out, there's a lot to be said for coming out in writing so that they have time to have whatever panic they're going to have on their own before they come at you with that. Um, I think making sure that you don't come out at times that are really high stress times or like right in the middle of the holidays. Like you don't want to come out at Thanksgiving dinner because that um, not only puts a lot of pressure on you, but also shifts the focus of something that is a family thing to being like solely about you and yourself, which can be seen as kind of disrespectful. So I think you want to set up either a separate time to talk with people or, um, or do it in writing. Yeah. I always say you don't want to come out during holidays, large celebrations, or during tragedies, like funerals, things like that. <laughs> right. Right. When somebody dies, it's not a good time. Yeah. It's, that's not a good time for anything but the grieving. 
And yet I also think like, like, I think that's a reason to come out early because if somebody dies and you have, you know, two partners that you're really close to and you want them both to be there to support you and you can't, that really sucks. So you want to be prepared for that if at all possible. If somebody gets that close, you want to be as prepared as you can for what happened there. Yeah. So, and and that's the thing, being able to be out is, it, it allows you to have more of your support system that you normally have. Right. So another thing that I suggest as far as coming out, as far as safety is if you want to come out to someone and you want to do it in person, you don't want to do it through writing, but you're not sure how they're going to process it. I always suggest doing it someplace that is a quiet public place. And what I mean by that is a place that no one's going to overhear what you're saying, but is also not necessarily your home or their home. People have a tendency, especially in their own home, to misbehave more than they would in a public setting. Yes. Um, something where they're going to keep their their voices a little bit down. They're going to keep their body language a little less aggressive. So if you're fearing that you know the person might have a really bad reaction, doing it in a public place um, can sometimes bring down some of that bad behavior, especially that they may have in their own home. I think that makes sense. And I also think, and this is, you know, my opinion as far as coming out, I think that it's also helpful not necessarily to come out to everybody all at once. Um, Because you were talking about holidays and things like that. But aside for that, like getting, you know, 20 of your family members together and sitting down around the table to come out, I think actually a lot of times causes a lot more stress than going individually and talking to different people. Um, I think that it's very helpful to go and talk to somebody who is, say, someone who's going to be more of an ally, um, a relative who you think is going to back you up. Um, That way you can have that conversation with them. And then when you're expanding who you're talking to, you have them as sort of a support as well. Right. But I also think that one of the things I talk about trying to be prepared for in coming out is to figure out if you are coming out to somebody who knows other people in your life to be really clear with them about who it's okay to talk to about this and who it's not. And even if you that, you don't necessarily know that they're going to respect that. So you can out yourself to your cousin who you think is going to be really supportive and maybe they're really supportive and maybe they're not, but they may also tell everybody. So like, even if you're trying not to come out to everybody at once, if you are in the kind of family where everyone tells everyone everything all the time, it, it may not even be feasible to not do that. Yeah. And I think that comes down to, you know, different people are different. And unfortunately, we can't always know what the people in our lives are going to do or not going to do, but trying to gauge uh, from past experiences and things like that, the people who we think may be the best people as far as support system. Right. But I also think we need to be really clear about who it's okay for them to talk to about it and who it's not, because I think sometimes people think it's okay to tell somebody. And if you don't say, please don't tell this person until I do, then they might just, things might get out of hand unintentionally. I know for me, like I'm, I'm bad that way. Like I'm good at secrets, keeping my client secrets. But when it comes to like family secrets, you have to tell me who I can't tell because otherwise I would tell everybody. (laughs) Just bad that way. Yeah. And I think especially people who are coupled a lot of times assume like I make the mistake occasionally, you know, again, not with clients, but with friends and family where when someone tells me something, I assume that 
Rigel is included on that news. <laughs> Just because I consider him and Amanda, or actually Amanda as well now, um, kind of like an extension of myself. So you know, when talking to someone being like, I'm just telling you, I'm not telling your partner or partners or whatever is very helpful too. Cause a lot of times people think that, you know, if you tell them it's okay to tell their partner or their mom or whoever. So making that very specific is good. So when someone's coming out, um, do you think it's something that just affects them or is it something that can affect other people in their life? Well, I think absolutely can affect other people in their life. I mean, I think particularly their partners are affected by whether or not they're out. You know, I think your kids are going to be affected about on whether or not you're out, not just at school, but also like if they have to hide from grandma that there's somebody who sleeps over every weekend, that will suck for them. And also if they're under a certain age, they won't be able to do it. So then they're just out you. One thing to keep in mind. Yeah, kids are little detectives. They'll they a lot of times do figure things out and if you tell them, they when they're smaller don't have a filter. <laughs> so, um your kids can end up outing you if you tell your kids and you're not looking for them to tell other people. But I also think like it depends what language you use because if you tell your kids like you know, this is my friend who likes to sleep over. They're not going to necessarily think, oh, this is mommy's new lover. <laughs> like they're going to think this is mommy's friend who likes to sleep over. And they're not necessarily going to say the things that are going to really out you to somebody else. So language that you use with them is important. Yeah. I think for the most part, kids kind of see things at face value. Um, so what you give them is kind of how they perceive things most of the time. But occasionally, I will say, occasionally, you know, depending on what language you use, they might use it, even if it's good language, you know, in a situation where what you tell them they're going to think is okay to say. For example, my kiddo, years ago, I was out, but it wasn't necessarily something that we had told his school. And uh, our girlfriend at the time was uh, dropping him off at school the administrator said, oh, who's this? And he said, oh, that's C. We'll just use C. And she's my parents' partner, which of course the administrator thought, okay, business partner or something like that. But then my son clarified <laughs> and was like, they spend all their time with her and she spends the night. And so... <laughs> That can be one of those situations where they can sometimes shock you and and say things not even necessarily meaning to tell you talk about your relationship, but they tend to be very bluntly honest. <laughs> so um, definitely keep in mind that what you tell your kids, especially if they're little, you might hear them repeat. So I think, you know, when you said that coming out can affect your partners. I think that it's a really good idea to talk to your partner before you come out about how you're coming out um, and if they want to be out. Because depending on how you come out, that will out them as well. So having a conversation around that, I think is very helpful. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen a lot of issues arise when people start coming out to even just friends without telling their partner that they're, that they're going to come out to them. So all of a sudden their partner's like, surprise. <laughs> So yeah, don't do that to people. It's not nice. So what are some 
strategies as far as how to go about coming out, like actually like putting it into words to people in your life? I mean, I think for putting it into words, just being slow and patient and answering people's questions and making sure to mention over and over that it is ethical because I think people get very caught up in this, like, and they'll say things like, it's sanctioned cheating. Yeah, no, it's not cheating if it doesn't violate the rules of the relationship. And just, you know, being patient with people while they ask questions. And um, and it just takes time sometimes for people to really understand. Dan Savage always says that you should give parents like a year to just have their tantrum. And I think that's probably true with polyamory too, that like people might just have a tantrum. <laughs> and you don't you, you just wait for them to do it and give them time to come back to you when they're more sane about it and as far as like not necessarily your friends and family but like workplace what is some practical strategies as far as coming out because i think work is for the most part one of the least rewarding places to come out at for the most amount of consequence. Like coming out at work, you don't really get a whole lot of benefit from that, but you can end up getting possibly fired. So I think work is one of those really tricky things. Um, Any advice on how to sort of navigate that conversation with coworkers? Well, I think if I were doing this at work, I want to start a vague conversation about polyamory without talking about myself first and just see how it goes to sort of feel out, are you going to get fired or not? (laughs) If there's a position for you to have that conversation, I think it's worth having. Then when you do come out, I wouldn't be like, sit down with your boss and have a conversation. What I would do is just have that conversation as a part of like the, the conversations that everybody has. So when somebody asks you, what did you do this weekend? You just don't lie. Or maybe you only lie a little, like maybe you went to, you know, some big camping event at Ramblewood, but you just say you went camping with all your partners. <laughs> There's only something, you want to have limits around what you come at work about. But, um, but yeah, like, I think it, it should be like, this is just my life. Because I think if you give them the message that is something that you're ashamed of, or something that you're afraid to tell them, they will treat it as something that you should be ashamed of. Um, and something that they have a right to say something about. And I think that's true with coming out to family and friends too. Like if you're not sure you want to be poly, if you think that your poly relationships are not going well, don't come out yet. Wait till you're ready to really defend those decisions because, because otherwise your friends and family will be like, oh my God, it sounds like you're having such a hard time. How can I help you? And they will try to get you to leave those relationships. So you have to really think about where you're at emotionally with your own polyamory before you start telling other people. I think that's a great point. Like if you're at a point where there is, there is something going on that is going to represent the type of relationships that you want to have or are currently having in a bad light, that being the first introduction or even an early introduction of it can really put you in a position where then your relationships that you have with other people, they're not going to believe you. They're not going to believe that it's actually something that is good for you or healthy because they're going to always go back to that negative, especially if it's something that they don't agree with to begin with. Like if they already have the preconceived idea that non-monogamy is bad, giving them ammo isn't helpful. All right. So anything else you want to add about polyamory before we bump into the speed round? 
I don't know. I really like it. It really works for me. And I definitely think if you are a person who falls in love a lot or who is actually attracted to a lot of people, it's, it's worth considering because I spend a lot of my time just trying to fix monogamy done wrong. And, and if, if monogamy is not for you, just accept that. (laughs) Just go with it. All right. Well, this is about time for our lightning round, um, our speed round thingy, where we answer, uh, well, you answer 10 of our questions in 60 seconds. Don't give a whole lot of thought to them. They're supposed to be fast. I will try to not think. (laughs) Don't think too hard. All right. What is something you're not very good at? Um, Being patient about getting things done. Tell me something that's true that almost no one agrees with you on. Snakes are the best pets ever. I love snakes. Best piece of relationship advice that you've ever received. When in doubt, be kind. I'm not sure that I've received that, but I've given it. <laughs> Three things you couldn't live without. Um, I don't know. Maslow's hierarchy has at least five. Food, water, and shelter. Uh, um, love. Love is important to me. <laughs> okay. A book you would recommend for our listeners. The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Also Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. And they should also read your book. Oh, right. My book. See, I forgot about my book. So bad. I just had to bump you there. What, what is your biggest fear? Being alone. So what's the most adventurous thing you've done? It could be sexual or non-sexual. Everything that I can think of is sexual, but my clinical supervisors always tell me that I shouldn't reveal that kind of thing about myself because it... It's not good for future clients who might be coming to me to be like, let me tell you, I've, I've already know about your X, Y, and Z, you know, sexual exploits. So, whoops, sorry, I'm not helpful here. All right. So, most adventurous things are secrets. <laughs> that is correct. Who is your TV or movie star crush? Angelina Jolie. Me too. Oh my God, I love her. She's my favorite. I just said she's also so skinny. Like, I feel like I'm much more attracted to people who don't fit the the picture of the Hollywood picture of what's attractive. So it doesn't always work for me. Like the like the people that I'm most likely to pick out on the street is I find that person attractive. They don't make it to movies. Okay, what is something you're working on that you'd like our listeners to know about? Um, so I'm currently working on my practice. I just hired my first associate, and I'm looking to hire more. So I actually have space to like take all the clients that that come my way because I have been having this problem where there's not enough therapists who work with people who are kinky and poly and LGBTQ and um, and I've been getting more referrals than I can handle so I'm now in the process of building my evil therapy empire where we can do where we can do therapy for for more of the community where we can really help people get somebody who's going to understand to, to do therapy with because it's been really hard for a long time for people to find therapists who, who get it. All right. And where can our listeners find you? Um, they can find me at tamarapinkus.com or um, I have a Facebook page for my, for my business with it, which is Tamara Pincus L-I-C-S-W and I'm at Tamara Pincus on Twitter. All right. Well, thank you, Tamara, for coming on the show. It was great talking to you. Uh, Listeners, definitely check out uh, Tamara's book, 
I have a copy of it. It's awesome. Um, if you listen to the show, you know, I don't usually pump things this much, but her book really is awesome. I read it in two days, which is amazing for me because I am one of those people that take forever to read. But uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Thanks again for tuning in. We wanted to let you all know about our New Year's Eve event. It's only a few days away. It's our Touch of Flavors Panic at the Playhouse. It's a sex-positive horror-themed play party. It's happening in Baltimore. We've got everything from cool demos like a needle play demo, interrogation demo, and a hook suspension to a poly play mixer that's Saul-themed. You don't want to miss it, so check it out. You can go to the show notes at atouchofflavor.com forward slash 20. Uh, We'll have everything you need to bring in 2018 kinky style. Hope to see you there. Thanks for listening to the Touch of Flavor podcast, where we're building relationships outside of the box. Got a question about kink, power exchange, or open relationships that you've been holding on to for years? This is the place to ask it. Submit your question at atouchofflavor.com slash ask or leave us a voicemail at 833-ASK-TOF1.